Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. That was a good idea. Man. Watchmen on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchmen on the wall. Listen to the watchmen on the wall. Listen to the watchmen on the wall. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Wonderful to be with you on this Friday morning. It is Friday, November 5th, 2021. Uh, I believe we're going to have an exciting broadcast a little bit later. Pastor Jeff Bass will be joining us to impart some information and some revelation into our hearts and minds. So uh, make sure you call a friend, tell them that they're not going to want to miss the information side of things as only Pastor Jeff Bass can share with us. I really believe it's going to be an exciting broadcast. I've got some very special thoughts on my mind this Friday, and uh, I'm probably going to be preaching this particular message this weekend. And um, there's a couple of different directions we could go in today, and I'm really leaning in one direction, but maybe I need to wait until Saturday evening service or Sunday. And perhaps we should go back to the... Uh, book of Revelation, where we left off a couple of days ago. So let's do that. Let me say good morning to our dear sister, Charlotte Gotch, number one in the morning again. God bless you, Charlotte. And thanks for being such a faithful friend to the ministry. God bless you. 
So why don't we do that? Why don't we go back to, no, we can't do it. We got to go to Matthew chapter five. So let's take a peek at this. And I want to be very gentle with this administration. And it's just part of the, the teaching of the scriptures. And sometimes we need to just you know, with all that's going on in the world around us, the information we're going to be receiving, uh, sometimes we just need to be very uh, in tune with what the Word of God is actually saying. So why don't we do that? We'll say good morning to Pastor Melissa Fletcher. Melissa, I'm going to really, you know, pick your brain on this particular Bible study. That's going to be very good. See, Brother Kevin Hauger is with us today, and Sister Cindy, uh, Cindy Messman's with us. Good morning. So I want to welcome all of you. We're going to have a little Bible study this morning. And I'm sure that you have been through this to a degree. Um, I am going to bring an absolute to it. So this is the way we teach it. And then, of course, you're being very judicial, and you're going to let us know. But this conversation really has to do with the acceleration of fruitfulness in your walk with the Lord, okay, and my walk with the Lord. Because I believe when the truth is spoken, particularly the biblical truth of God, Scripture, is spoken, that that truth sets us free, that it breaks the bondage of deception or lies or hindrances or obstacles or any dams that the enemy may have built up in our lives and our thinking. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to go into our mind and to pull down strongholds that the devil has set up. You know, not every stronghold is uh, a devil with uh, a pitchfork and horns. Oftentimes, the strongholds in our mind that keep us back from our destiny and operating in the fullness of Christ are thoughts and ideas that seem very religious. Okay, maybe you know a little bit of what I'm talking about. There are many religious ideas do, that do not accomplish what God is really after in our lives as being Christians. Now, I want you to know, and I, I want to balance this message out with these thoughts. I want you to know up front that I believe that if you are a human being on this earth and you come to a living, genuine faith in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, if you believe in the only begotten Son of the Father, whatever you call him, Isa, Yeshua, as long as he's the son of the father, if you believe in Jesus and you confess him to be the savior of your life because through the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the light of Christ has shined in your heart, the light of the kingdom has shined in your heart, you have been seen as a guilty sinner, okay, fit for eternal destruction, but now there is one that stands in the gap for you. Regardless of your condition, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you have done, regardless of what it is, that if you confess Jesus and turn to him for salvation, for forgiveness, if you turn to Jesus Christ in, in genuine truth in your heart, I believe that that is genuine salvation, that from that very moment you have been saved and like the thief on the cross, if that was a genuine, Lord, remember me in your kingdom, if there's a surrendering to the, the authenticity and the authority of Christ, that that is, if you died today believing, let's say your whole life you've been corrupt, you've been vile, you've been, you know, whatever, depraved, and you've never escaped that human nature conduct, 
and you've never come to the cross of Jesus, you've never gone to church, you don't believe in the Bible, you, but today something happens where you do reach out, like billions of people around the world have in the last 2,000 years. You come to a saving knowledge. You, you come to a dawning, an understanding, and today you cry out to Jesus, and you say to Jesus today, forgive me for my sins. I get it. I admit it. I'm guilty. My conscious mind has been pricking at me for however long, and I've rejected it, neglected it. I wanted nothing to do with religion. But now you've come to a place of understanding that Jesus is not about religion. You've come to understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him, not religion, would have everlasting life. And so you've come to that place today, let's say, and you accept Christ into your heart as the authentic, authorized Savior of the world and the Savior of your soul. Well, if you received him today, regardless of all that you've done, regardless of the impact of sin on your life, your psyche, your soul, your body, in your, your, your darkened spirit, but now light comes into your life, you accept Christ based upon the word of God as the redeemer, as the one who makes an atonement for you, who shed his blood for you, and you receive the grace of God in truth, I believe if you died today with that reality, you would wake up in paradise, just like the thief on the cross did. Now, many of us who have accepted Jesus Christ, um, we have a every moment of every day the opportunity to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But what does that actually mean? Well, today I want to get into a little bit of this. So I wanted you to know, I believe that salvation is a free gift. I don't believe it can be earned by good works. I believe that God's grace is so amazing that that grace is what saved us, is saving us, and will ultimately save us. I think sometimes that the misunderstanding that Christians have is in the word salvation or being saved by grace through faith. The Greek word for saved or salvation is sozo. In the Greek definition, if you look up saved or salvation, you'll see sozo, S-O-D, dash Z-O, sozo. That word means in its entirety to be delivered, to be set free, to be released. But the ultimate meaning, when you take all the definition and you pull it together, it means to be made whole. Salvation is a deliverance from the world, flesh, the devils. It's a salvation. It's a redemption. There's no doubt about that. But the ultimate meaning and the ultimate truth of salvation is not going to heaven. I'm saved, therefore I'm going to heaven. No, the real meaning of salvation is to make you whole, to make me whole. That means because God created us a tripart being, meaning spirit, soul, and body, that God is taking our fragmented lives because of the fall of Adam and our own particular sin, where we have been broken into 10,000 pieces or 10 million pieces, and we have been a fragmented people. Well, salvation is bringing it all back together again and making it whole. If you can envision a vase or a vase, however you say it, and it's a beautiful vase, and somebody takes that big, beautiful vase 
and smashes it on the ground and it busts into a billion pieces and fragments are all over the place. But now comes the master who gathers every fragment, who gathers every part and is able by his workmanship to bring it back to its pristine condition, not anything missing, no cracks in it, no gaps in it, but to bring a renewed, restored, perfect condition. Okay, well, this is what the master does. He makes us whole. Now, there are things in our wholeness, our spirit, soul, and body that have been fragmented through sin. There's no doubt. We've been broken. We've been scattered. We've been hurt. We've been wounded. We've been, uh, you know, all kinds of issues have happened to the human race. There's no doubt about that. But when you take that initial step in receiving the gift of God, the salvation of God that's in Christ Jesus, well, a work begins through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because once you believe in Jesus, it would be foolish not to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. He's the counselor. He's the guide. He's the teacher. He's the empowerer of your life. So what do we need this Holy Spirit for? And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be with you and I forever. We're never going to be free of the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't want to be. The Holy Spirit is everlasting life. He's known in the book of Hebrews as the eternal spirit of God. So when the spirit of the Lord raised up Jesus, it was the eternal life-giving spirit of God that brought life back to Yeshua and raised him from death. Now that spirit is on the inside of you if you have received this gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit has sealed you. In other words, he's authenticated you. You are authentic. You belong to Christ because you genuinely have gone after him. Now, can that seal be broken? Can that seal be quenched? Can that seal be grieved? That's another story. We'll talk about that maybe later. But right now, you have received a seal, the keeping power of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit helps you to pick up this book called the Bible and read it and understand it. He teaches you the word of God in the intrinsic value, in the spiritual value, and how this word of God, the engrafted word of God, is able to save your soul. So we as believers begin the journey with the Holy Spirit, knowing we're forgiven, that we're justified before God, just as though we've never sinned. All of our sins are forgiven. Now comes a working out or a restoration or a healing but there's a lot of great new stuff that God gives to you and I as believers. Okay, we're declared to be, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation or a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That is the launching point of the Christian journey. That's where we move forward. Now, the Holy Spirit is our guide. He keeps us in the truth. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He teaches us truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us of the truth. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do the truth. So the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit living in us so that we're not in control. He's in control, and he imparts into us the very mind of Christ, which is revealed in the Word of God. So I, I believe this with all of my heart, and this is salvation. And we march, and we can rest assured in that saving grace. We can rest 
and be secure in the salvation that God has brought to us because our hearts are genuine. It's the good soil of our heart that produces 30, 60, 100 fold. All the soils of the cares of this world, all the soils of offense, all the soils of be it on the wayward or on the outskirts, none of that produces the fruit. But the genuine heart, the good soil in any person's heart that receives the good seed into their heart will produce and manifest forth a new creation and a development of fruitfulness in their lives. So I just wanted you to know, as we get into what I'm about to say, that I understand these things. You know, we're not having to be good enough to be saved. No, nobody could be saved by being good enough. I get that. I want you to know that, okay? None of us are good enough. And what we're going to talk about is going to be very interesting. So I hope you got this. But before I go any further, I have a conversation waiting me right now with Pastor Jeff Bass. And so I just laid a little groundwork. We're going to get into it. But first, let's talk to our dear pastor, Jeff Bass. Good morning. God bless you, sir. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hey, good morning again, Pastor Vincent. How are you doing today? Man, I'm very, very blessed. I'm excited that it's Friday, and I'm looking forward to our evening or, or our, our weekend services. I think they're going to be very good. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, doing great. Awesome. So, Pastor Jeff, um, we're going to have a little Bible study after our conversation, but uh, you have been sharing, again, very vital information about a number of things that are going on in this country and around the world. And I, what I love about our conversations is that you just lay forth the information, and by the Holy Spirit, it produces revelation and understanding, and it helps us to know where we are and how to be guided and how to walk at this time. So why don't you open it up with greeting the body of Christ and then share some of the information you'd like to get across to us. I know you shared a lot with me. I thought it was fascinating. Uh, and it's, I know it's true information as well. So why don't we begin that way? Well, again, Pastor Vincent, it's always a pleasure and an honor to be here on this platform with you. And I just want to say good morning to your audience out there. And I pray that everything is okay with them and that God is truly blessing them. Uh, as you stated, we, you and I have had several conversations sharing with each other. And one thing that I do believe that's very uh, relevant in the body of Christ or something that's needed is that we stay uh, informed in what's going on because, as you know, we're not going to get the truth from the mainstream media. So we have to get alternative medias. And I said before, I get a lot of this from Now the End Begins uh, uh, and other uh, alternative news media. And uh, I, I just like to share it with you and with the audience. And so today I've got about three, three major, major stories that I want to share uh, with you. And the first one is about what's going on with Mark Zuckerberg and this uh, metaverse. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I think it was last week that he, uh, Zuckerberg had a big announcement that Facebook is changing their name to Meta, M-E-T-A, and eventually I guess it'll be called Metaverse, where like we where where we get the word universe and so forth. He says Facebook will take over the Metaverse, but <laughs> an interesting uh, situation. Uh, as I was looking up uh, some other articles, now uh, I read this. It says the word Meta in Hebrew means death. I don't know if Zuckerberg knows that, 
but that's what it means in Hebrew, death, the word meta, or the root meta prefix. But uh, before I read you this story, interesting, I, I came across a well-known pastor um, in the in in uh, in the Atlanta area. That's all I say. I won't give the name. That's not important. But the point is, he was talking about this. I saw in a YouTube, and he he looked at the metaverse that Zuckerberg is is getting ready to implement as something great for the church, because he in in, in his short interview he was saying that the, of course the word meta, which is true also, means beyond and greater. But his interpretation was that the metaverse is going to be great for the church, and it's going to take us beyond this and that and stuff. And what I like to say, Pastor, is in the church, you know, it seems sometimes like we're so easily deceived, and we want to jump on every new thing that comes out there. And, again, I'm not to judge people, but I think we all need to, like, do a deep dive on some of this stuff, man. I mean, (laughs) does a leopard change its spots? I mean, we can just see a lot of the stuff that Zuckerberg has done with Facebook, the censorship and stuff. Um, Before he announced this metaverse, uh, I I told you I think the last time I was on that he was trying to make a partnership with um, Hillsong and some of the other mega churches. And at that time, I told you, I said, that sounds kind of shaky to me, I mean, that he wants to connect with the church. And so now he comes out with this. So the first one is Mark Zuckerberg is planting the first church of the metaverse. This came out August 6th. It says, virtual idols are the future of false religion with 3 billion users and zero sense of sacred boundaries. Facebook is poised to lead this revolution. And they're calling it the church of Facebook is set to capture the human soul in Silicon. On July 25th, the New York Times reported that since 2017, the social media giant, that's Facebook, has quietly cultivated exclusive partnerships with select religious communities. As always, money is involved. Now, that's a quote from the New York Times in this article, Mark Zuckerberg is planting the first church of the metaverse. This came out August 6th. It said, and, and that ties into what I told you about Hillsong and the churches are, are grasping the metaverse, but you see here the, um, uh, the, the foundation was already laid. The partnerships were already done and cultivated before they announced this last week about this metaverse. It says, while Facebook's ultimate goals remain sealed behind non-disclosure agreements, the Times article does hint at things to come. Then here it is. The company, Facebook, aims to become the virtual home for religious community and wants churches, mosques, synagogues, and others to embed their religious life into its platform from hosting worship services and socializing more casually to soliciting money. So I'll just stop right there. I don't know if you want to interject or... No, that's that's amazing. It's very consistent with the Krizlam or the three major buildings that are being built right now externally. But this is something that happens in social media style. And are are there actual Christian denominations that will go along with such a thing? 
the one that I told you about the church, it's a non-denominational church, and this pastor, what I saw in that YouTube is about a 10-minute YouTube, um, he was embracing it. He didn't, he didn't come out of his mouth and say, well, we're going to do this, but he was praising Zuckerberg for doing this and this metaverse. But it goes on to say the partnerships reveal how big tech and religion are converging. The Times says Facebook is shaping the future of religious experience itself, as it has done for political and social life. So see there, we know what Facebook and, and, and big tech has done with ticks and, and the social sphere, so now it's getting in the religious experience, it says. In other words, ultra-mod spiritual centers will be blessed by mass data extraction, algorithmic polarization, and censorship of theological misinformation. So the Times is saying this is what they're going to do. So that's what I'm saying, Pastor. If the New York Times can see this, but the church can't see it, it goes on to say if Facebook's history is any guide, every digital prayer will be scooped up and turned into a data point. Live-streamed preachers who deny, here it comes, the sanctity of LGBT lifestyles will be flagged and punished as extremists. Best of all, smart, <laughs> yeah, best of all, smartphone-addicted congregants can donate their last widow's mite with the touch of a virtual button. Sounds like a little slice of heaven, doesn't, doesn't it, is what they said, I guess, you know, being flippant. But you see that? The New York Times is saying this. But pastors, they can't see that. You know, they're already censoring us, so now you get in this meta metaverse, <laughs> but they're smiling to get the church uh, in cahoots with them. But then once you get there, they got you. That, that's my take. All right. So, so what you're saying, what I'm hearing is that Mark Zuckerberg is going beyond what has been in his new meta uh, company, which is going to take Facebook, change the name to meta. And the whole idea in part of that is the religious gathering together of people of faith, of whatever faith that may be, uh, all over yes. the world to join a community of believers, to interact amongst each other, with what particular point in view other than condemning <clears throat> those who are not um, moving in the direction of allowing mankind to be, you know, uh, worshipful? What, what would the other, what's the direction of that? Well, a continuing, which probably answers what you're saying, it says uh, uh, Zuckerberg uh, did an interview with, with, um, with Verge, I guess that's a magazine or whatever, and, and Zuckerberg says the metaverse was first coined by someone named Neil Stevenson in his 1992 dystopian novel Snow Crash. The author imagined the decadent virtual realm as an escape from a dismal society run by mega corporations. Now that the metaverse is being funded by Silicon Valley oligarchs and Wall Street traders, we're supposed to believe it'll be a fine place to live. In the interview, Zuckerberg describes the metaverse as an embodied internet, quote, the holy grail of social interactions. Zuckerberg says where we can work, play, work, comma, play, and enjoy a sense of presence, but listen to this, alongside teleporting holograms. Zuckerberg predicts 
that within the next five years, around the same time, he says, Elon Musk hopes to achieve digital telepathy through brain chips, Facebook will then transition from people seeing us as primarily being a social media company to being a metaverse company. Then his his chief operating officer, Sheryl Sandberg, chirps in and says, it will also be a spiritual endeavor. Quote, faith organizations and social media are natural fit because fundamentally both are about connection, she said. Our hope is that one day people will host religious services in virtual reality spaces as well, or they will use augmented reality, they call that AR, as an educational tool to teach their children the story of their faith, she says. Imagine, she says, a synagogue where a holographic burning bush recites the Decalogue, or cathedral where saint icons speak to you directly, or maybe animated deities waving their many arms in Hindu temples. Immersive idolatry is the future of false religion. That's what the Times goes back and says. With 3 billion users worldwide and zero sense of sacred boundaries, Facebook is poised to lead this spiritual revolution. Wow. Wow. So I wonder how much uh, satanic influence that is going to have on lukewarm or compromised believers in Jesus, uh, people that have been capitulating, tolerating, uh, you know, moving along with the, you know, just going with the flow of what's happening in society to keep the peace with all men kind of thing. And, uh, you know, not speaking out against, not even sharing why these things that people are practicing, LGBTQ community, could lead their eternal souls into eternal death uh, without saying anything. So this could have a very powerful influence and new age and metaphysics and Hinduism and Buddhism and all over the world here we have a gathering together. What kind of powerful crackling atmosphere is that going to bring? Well, that was this is kind of a uh, um, one a, uh, one B to that first article. Uh, this kind of ties into it because that that article I just read to you came from August the sixth. This was before the rollout. So now tying into that, there's an article by Ian Harbor and Patrick Miller that came out a couple of days ago, November 2nd, called How to Prepare for the Metaverse. And it talks about, you know, the, uh, the intro part. But I, I just wanted to share something with you because it goes a little bit more in depth as to the scope and how, what I like to tell people, there's a, see, we see stuff happen, and we'll get into this probably a little bit later, whether it's COVID or whatever. But what I've, what I've discussed has been planned for a long time, and there are a lot of people on board because I hear people say, well, why why is this corporation supporting this and why 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 isn't this person or this organization uh speaking against it well they're not speaking against it because as we say in the vernacular they're down with it behind the scenes they're funding it with money they're saying we're you know we're in with you we're giving you grants and so forth here's my point it says in this article what is the metaverse and how to prepare for it the metaverse is not a digital world. It's a digital world of worlds through which people can travel seamlessly retaining their appearance and digital possessions wherever they go. These worlds do not merely exist in virtual reality, but also layer onto physical reality 
through augmented reality. The metaverse is still a zygote, zygote, but a few early examples offer glimpses of the future. Here's my major point here. They got a bullet point. Uh, I know most of us don't watch a lot of TV, but if I'm watching a game or something, you may see a commercial for a TV show. Did we know the following? I, I didn't know this. I'm about to share. What's the, like I just said, these corporations are behind this, you know, from the get-go. Fox's, Fox Television has a TV show called Alter Ego. Alter Ego features musical artists performing as digital avatars for the show's judges. Contestants explain that physical appearance or social anxiety previously hindered them, but using this avatar now allows them to be, quote, real. In the metaverse, people will have digital identities that may prioritize over their physical identity. Also, the next one is you've heard of Pokemon Go. The, uh, the corporation Niantix, N-I-A-N-T-I-C-S, Pokemon Go is a part of this metaverse. They will allow players to use phone cameras to see uh, AR, augmented reality Pokemon, and capture them. In the future, people may use AR glasses to simulate offices and hangouts with your friends. So you won't have to go to your office and hang out with your friends. You'll hang out with them in aug- augmented reality. You all put on these glasses, and you can, and you can meet up. There's a rapper called, next point, Travis Scott. He's about 30 years old. I'm not familiar with his music, but I did research to see who he was. He recently put on a live concert within Fortnite. I don't know. I guess that's some game. Fort, Fortnite, where players could participate, dance, and move across worlds. But check this out. More than 30 million people participated in this concert he did in the virtual reality world, it says here, making it bigger than the Super Bowl halftime show. In the future, people may expect or even prefer virtual venues as the place to experience live events. So you won't go to the Rolling Stones concert or Chicago or Earth, Wind & Fire or whoever's there. Now, you'll just have your own virtual concert. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, And I will go... They, uh, I won't read all of it, but PlayStation 5 is involved with this. Apple has a face recognition where they where allows you to make, I've never heard of, I've heard of emojis, but they got something called animojis and memo, memojis, M-E-M-O-J-I-S, which actually render your facial expressions in real time. So they, I mean, Microsoft's PlayFab, Amazon, all these games, they're going after the gamers, they're going after the kids, and even adults who, 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 who get into that. I don't get into the gaming, but, but, but you see where they're going with this, Pastor. Yeah, it, it's interesting because the question that's coming to my mind is uh, you take someone, you know, just throw out a name there, Joel Olstein. He has a huge following, millions and millions of people around the world, and all those people have to do is tune into TBN at a certain time, and there's Joel with 30,000 people in his audience, but then around the world through television, you have millions of people viewing and watching. So what is the difference between somebody watching a, a concert on television and then entering into the virtual reality aspect? What's the difference? Well, I mean, my thing is that it can mess with 
your mind and your state of reality versus versus what is not reality. I mean, uh, here the article goes on to say, thankfully, the metaverse is still five to ten years away. But then they give like three themes that, uh, per, per this last article I was talking about preparing, it says, here are three themes we should start emphasizing today so we can form resilient disciples of tomorrow. So from my perspective, these three overviews I'm about to give you, I, as a pastor, I wouldn't embrace these, but one of the guys who wrote this article is a pastor, and the other one is like just uh, just a writer and a contributor. The first thing he says, as this relates to the church, giving, givingness, that's G-I-V-E-N-N-E-S-S, givingness, of identity in a customized world. Hopefully this can even more in depth answer your question about it. It says, if you think society is struggling with questions of identity now, get ready. In this metaverse, individuals will be able to express themselves however they want through fully customizable avatars in the metaverse. For example, Zuckerberg's in his presentation, a friend appeared as a robot in a space room. But then it says, what happens when we identify more with a virtual version of ourselves than with our real selves? People may begin to conflate their God-given identity with the self-made identity they crafted in the metaverse. The transhumanism debate is on our doorstep. The imago dei, the imago meta, meta. In a world where every aspect of our identity will be completely customizable. So you could just customize. You want to be a rabbit? You could be a rabbit. You could be whatever when you put on the the virtual reality and the augmented reality. Celebrating a received identity given by God to be his human image bearers made with flesh and bone, male and female, for the cultivation of the world will be radically countercultural. But it will also be life-giving. The anxiety of self-creation is already crippling Gen Z and millennials. The church may be the last place that accepts you as you're made, not as you're projected. So people will begin identifying with not who they are God, godly made, but who they want to be in this virtual reality world. Wow. You know, what I find stunning about that, last night Patricia and I, uh, we're watching Tortured for Christ by the Voice of the Martyrs, and I think a lot of people have probably seen that. It was the Richard Wombrandt story, and it was talking about Romania and how the Russians had taken over, and they were very cruel uh, to the Romanians, no doubt. But um, the, the persecutor of Richard Wombrandt in the story, uh, Beast of a Man, uh, would take him and beat the living daylights out of him every single day, and they busted his feet apart, and they just tortured him. And Richard Wombrandt is talking to this man. He said, why do you have no pity? Well, you know, we're human beings. And the, and the man says something to the idea, well, you have to break some eggs in order to make an omelet. And then Richard says, well, an egg doesn't have feelings. We do. We're human beings. And he said, listen, because this was all about communism. He said, I think the God that I don't believe in to allow me to express all the evil that is in my heart. Wow. All the evil that is in my heart. And it sounds like what you're talking about is a, is a pathway, an open door for the expression of 
all the evil in man's heart that he can't deal with because there's no savior. Go ahead. No, no, you're right. No, no, I didn't say anything. I was listening to you. Okay. I mean, I think you're spot on. No, go uh, yeah. finish your thought. I mean, <laughs> okay, I thought I heard something, but it, this is the idea that human beings are so invaded by demonic spirits and their own depraved, corrupt human nature. Regardless how people are dressing this human body up inside, it is a corrupt, depraved, and condemned humanity. That's the word of God. So the demonic that's feeding and preying upon the soul of man, bringing him into eternal destruction and torment, uh, if you can't deal with those things and you're trying to hold it back because you're a moralist alone, um, well, the time is coming where there will be no restraint. There will be no holding back. And there will only be an allowance for the expression. I think there were movies like The Purge and other movies like this where people just let it rip. And I think that's really coming into our society. And it sounds like what you're talking about is a pathway to that. Absolutely. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't viewed it, but, but, you know, because like I said, for time constraints, time constraints I, I, I haven't gotten into all of this, of course. But I did read something where this metaverse and this, uh, augmented reality and all of this stuff, there was a movie called Ready One Player. That's Ready, the number one, O-N-E, player. Supposedly, a lot of this stuff that I'm reading reading and sharing was, was, was in that movie. I don't know. But uh, piggybacking on what you said, I think it's Genesis 6 again. I mean, where, mm-hmm. where God said he saw that the imagination of man was continually evil. Pastor, as I continue to read this and go more in depth with this, man, I, I just think the stuff that we've talked about, you've talked about on the show, you've had guests and then other people, and we see pedophilia, pornography, and all of this. This is going to be like an open door for people to, to take it to the next level. We know uh, back in the day from, from historically, you know, back during our, our times, you know, people – they, which wasn't right, but they read Playboy and those different magazines and, and everything. Then they went, and then it was like people on, online uh, with, with pornography and stuff. So now they're taking it from what I read in here, every, man's thoughts. You know, uh, you can just fulfill whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to go on the beach and hang out with a supermodel in this reality, you'll be on the beach hanging out with the supermodel doing whatever your mind says do. They were saying uh, if you want to get a pizza, order a pizza here. Like now if I just ordered a pizza, but then I put and have it delivered to an address, my avatar address in the virtual meta world, they would deliver it there. And therefore now I can leave after I ordered it here and go get into that world get uh, receive it and eat it there so anything that the mind had thought or conceived is now open in this in this meta uh perverted world yeah i was thinking when you when you talked about the supermodel on the beach the old movie rio where the guy in his imagination i think it was bo derrick was running down the beach it was this big movie and, you know, this was the whole idea in his imagination. So now you're saying that people, not just thinking in their head, could actually enter into the experience of it. 
And that's going to yeah. take pornography, like you're saying, into another whole dimension of people thinking they're literally acting out what they've been viewing on pornography. Wow. But see, it well, all ties together, Pastor, this new world order stuff, one world government, one world religion, one world economy. Because also, from what I was reading, this virtual world is also going to have its own type of coin, whether it's crypto or whatever, own type of when you're gaming in there or whatever. And, again, back to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, how all of this stuff is intertwined because with the advent of artificial intelligence and, you know, with, with, with the artificial robots and, and all of this, people aren't going to be working. And they're going to be getting that UBI, universal basic income. So people will be staying home. This is, this is their end game. You'll be staying home. You won't own your house. You'll be living in a building. Your, your credit score will be checked. You've been a good little boy or girl. You can get a hamburger. If not, you know, you'll be penalized. So you got some, you, you, you know, you'll be getting a stipend a month from the government, government handout. So basically you got free time. So your free time will be spent. Uh, in, in the virtual reality, doing whatever you want to do in the virtual reality. Okay. And Klaus Schwab's statement, you will own nothing and love it, then they, they, they'll feel it'll come to pass. Speaking of that, talking about the AI, I just there was a quick article that they're experimenting with. I think it was in Chicago or somewhere here, here in the United States. Uh, when you go to McDonald's, they're, they're already testing it because McDonald's Corporation brought the te- bought the technology to this company. I don't have the I don't remember the name in front of me, but basically completely automated drive through. So when you go through, there'll be AI robots. They'll take your order, and they in the article said right now through that test, it was eighty to eighty five percent effect. They don't know what's going to happen when you get an irate customer when they mess up your order. But right now, they're gonna. What they eventually want to go through is completely automated fast food, and, and McDonald's is, is on the cutting edge of that. So it won't be people there; it'll just be artificial intelligence robots. All right. So in Sodom and Gomorrah, there were people in a community that were acting out, expressing the wickedness of their own hearts. Um, and it created an environment for Lot that his righteous soul was vexed every day by the filthy conduct of the wicked. That's what the Bible says. So if you imagine a world that you're talking about, what they're talking about, what kind of demonic interaction is really going on? This is way beyond just somebody's imagination. This is demonic interaction opening portals to some of the strongest demonic spirits and actually lead to destruction. So what are the righteous elect going to be doing at a time when the whole world is participating in this kind of activity? I don't know other than better be what real. I see now how how easily the righteous elect has bought into what we know now. We won't say you know with all that's going on yeah. and they're not kicking against it to me. <laughs> This delusion, they're going to buy into that, too. Yeah. I, 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 and I hate to say that. I mean, I, I, I really do, Pastor. It breaks my heart. But how easily no one is com- – no one 
Well, I won't, I won't say that. That's that's a blanket statement. But what I see a lot of people, I've seen people on television, on television shows when the debate comes up about the jab and everything, and these people that I see, I've read some of their bios, and they've confessed out of their mouth that they're a Christian, mm. and they're buying mm. into it. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, man, they got to keep their job. That's what people, you know, say and stuff like that. But the question is, uh, do do they care more about that job than they do about the word of God and so forth? That's a whole nother debate. But Amen. my short answer to your question was, I believe there will be many who will accept it. You know, I yeah. I know people who who have you know personal personal people I know friends who have lost loved ones, and it really and it really grieved them, and I'm and, and I understand that, and they just said, if I could just talk to them again. If I could just yada yada, and they said out of their mouths, and I'm kind of quaking, and my my wife and I talked about it. You know, our friend so and so and so. We pray because if this technology came, we really believe that this person would buy into it, even though they they know it's against everything godly, but because they will be led more by their flesh than by their spirit, and that's All right. the lure. Yeah, and it's imperative to be to armor up. Uh, just for a moment, we have a call coming in. Somebody wants to share with what you're talking about. Uh, I believe this is our friend Bill, who's out there driving today. Uh, let's welcome into the broadcast for a quick question. Uh, good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. We're on the air. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Real quick here. Uh, good morning. Pastor Jeff was spot on, but when he made the comment, Regarding, uh, you asked him the question regarding uh, what's the difference between the, the virtual reality and, and the TV. Uh, uh, the, the virtual reality deal will be that you will be able to teleport your presence to the Joel Steen Church. In other words, you won't be there physically, but, but your, your avatar or your teleporting presence will be there at the church so you can experience it. That's their goal. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there was an actor that you remember, and Pastor Jeff will remember this, Jason Robards. And about, I yes, want to say, 30, 35 years ago, uh, uh, Jason Robards did a virtual reality movie. It should have been X-rated, but it wasn't. It was on TV. But uh, anyway, that's something to, uh, to look at also. Uh, and that was done 30, 35 years ago. So anyway. Just food for thought there. I'll let you go. Be blessed. Yeah, well, thank you for the call. And, you know, that brings up a point. You you know, someone said, and I think it was you, Pastor Jeff, when I asked, well, you know, how far ahead is technology today, 10 years? And I believe you said no, 20 years. So things that we're talking about right now, you have to believe that the elect or the, not the elect, the elite or whoever they are in the upper echelons doing all this stuff, they're probably already participating in this becoming more demonized and demon-possessed, and then taking that high thrill, that high sensation to the most intense levels, and then are wanting to release it into the general population. Boy, we better be armed up, huh, Pastor Jeff? Really armed up with the full armor of God. And my wife... Most definitely what, what, what Brother Bill was saying, you know, he took it to an, another point when he was talking teleporting and everything. The other part on there that I read, which I, I hadn't shared, which, which is uh, holograms. I mean, um, I remember that technology, and when you were just talking about how far ahead they are, 
that TV show, we, we all remember the original Star Trek with Shatner and so forth. But then, of course, there was the one with uh, Patrick Stewart, the, uh, the next gener- Star Trek, The Next Generation. And they were the first ones, if I'm not mistaken, of the, of the Star Trek uh, uh, series because, you know, you got different ones. But they had something called a holodeck. And basically, that was like if Picard wanted to go relax on the ship, you would go and go, you know, like hit the door, and you go into this room, which was a holodeck. And then you had like a little card, like you would stick in to the machine, and it would be like if you said, okay, I want to go back in history to somewhere in the 1860s or the or the French Revolution era, whatever whatever it was, or to to uh, or to like an a place like Eden or whatever, and you could go there and get in, you know, get in character, so to speak, and you would actually be there. So they're talking in this article. Like I said, it's a long, drawn-out article. I couldn't read everything. But they're talking about that's another portal, a part of it, the uh, 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 holograms and everything. Just like he was saying, you know, your presence will be here, but you'll be there with the avatar. I mean, it is, it is really deep, and my concern is, some people, you know, you can have something for good, but there's always someone who's going to want to take it to uh, for evil. And like my concern is the imagination of man, as 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 I said earlier, you elaborated, is who knows how far this could go. I don't even want to speak what I what I I began to download and hear from the Holy Spirit. I felt some of the just grotesque stuff that man would do with this technology. Well, absolutely. And what I'm thinking right now as you're speaking is brain sensualization. They say that the human being, the average human being, I've heard numbers is you know, from 8% to 15% or 19% of the brain is actually in use. The other you know, 80% or so is lying dormant. And it's almost like going back to Genesis when, or, uh, when they were building a tower into heaven in the hebrew it talks about boring into heaven for the purpose of dethroning god well here there's a boring into man's soul a boring into the brain an awakening so that it could be further sensualized in experiences that hitherto have never been experienced before which would draw the creation into a greater uh you know falling away so that they could embrace these deep-seated desires that have never been fulfilled I mean, this may go so far uh, in, into an awakening that is not good, um, and maybe that's what this is, you know, partially heading towards. I don't know. But uh, what a fascinating point number one. Let's move forward into point number two. What else do we have? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, because it segues, you know, again, I tell your audience, man, this, this man of God, he's always in the spirit, man, because what you just said, you mentioned about the Tower of Babel, Point number three is, but I'll make it two, limits as grace in a limitless world. And it says, and I read it here, and I get to the Bible in just a second, but it says uh, basically the metaverse will, pre- will present us, and this is what the, this guy in the article, I think the pastor who was, who, who was his part, uh, warning against it, he says the metaverse will, pre- will present us with the opportunity to experience glimpses of power only God has. Now, we could just stop right there and go, whoa. It's going to give you glimpses of power only God has. The readiness of information will give us a glimpse 
of being, and I'm going to read this, and you 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 highlight the words, and 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 we'll tie it together when I finish. It will the readiness of information will give us a glimpse of being omniscient. The ability to create worlds and identities will give us a glimpse of being omnipotent. The conquering of geographic boundaries will also—I'm sorry—will allow us to be wherever we want to be at any given time, approximating omnipresence. The breaking down of the space-time barriers as we're able to travel back in time through VR, virtual reality experiences, will give us a glimpse of eternity. Lastly, our futuristic power of Babel is luring us in with promises of limitlessness. Now, those three words, I know you, you picked up on those. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Omniscience. And what was the other one? Omnipresence. Um, uh, omnipresence. Yeah, omnipresence. Go ahead. And, yeah, omnipotent. So this is these are the characteristics of God himself, and so this is man's uh, way of being God. And if we could open up man's conscience and we could bring his, and sensualize his brain in circuitry of his mind and show it ideas that have never been shown before. I mean, we think about the crazy things that go on in society, what people do, but can you imagine if all these things that have been so offensive to the human mind, but now we've been conditioned to accept them, that maybe there's a new open door of satanic tantalization that's about to hit the human brain that will draw people into eternal damnation uh, quicker than anything we've ever dreamed. So there may be some ideas out there, and we know that there are, that we have never thought before that our brains will be open to through this technology. What a very, very dark reality. And my wife, Patricia, is shouting from the sidelines, image of the beast, image of the beast. I'm not sure what she means by that yet, but she is on to the side. Now, let me just say this. Melissa Fletcher. (laughs) Yeah. So Pastor Melissa Fletcher in the chat room said, yes, check out the link from Brian and Kathy. Uh, who earlier sent this link, our friends from Honduras, uh, they have robot priests that can bless you, advise you, and even perform funerals. One of the AI priests they named Mindar. As more religious communities begin to incorporate robotics in some cases, AI-powered and in others, not it stands to change how people experience faith. It may also alter how we engage in ethical reasoning and decision-making, which is a big part of religion. And then Denny Sossman said, God made us in his image and in his likeness uh, or in his image. Avatars are not made in his image. And then uh, there was an amen. And then the addiction level will increase beyond any known drug. And I believe that. The, The sensualization of the human nature and the brain will be an addiction beyond heroin, beyond today's pornography, and it will probably create environments and drive people into madness. They said one of the number one causes for men that are in prison today is because of the pornographic addiction that they've had. And this comes to rape, this comes to murder, this comes to all different kinds of crimes, and it's all emanating out of the sexual nature of man that has been hardly exploited at this time. But, Pastor Jeff, what you're sharing right now, 
this is the ultimate exploitation, and it's being told us so that we can prepare before we actually have to face such a moment in the history of the world. Amen. The second one was the goodness of creation in a disembodied world. And it says we will begin to live more of our lives disembodied, either as avatars in VR spaces or, there's the word, holograms using uh, AR technology, uh, which is augmented reality. The separation we feel between our physical bodies and surroundings and our virtually expanded consciousness will grow. It will be easy to begin to see the infinite possibilities of our virtual world and bodies as better and more real than the physical world. Now, when I was reading that, I just felt in my spirit when I read the part about the separation we feel. And it goes back to Genesis. After, after uh, uh, Adam and Eve had sinned, they died spiritually, you know, not physically, and they lost that God consciousness. And that's what I believe this is to separate us from God, to make us feel, not me or you, but make some people feel they can be God and that they don't need God. How terrible. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when you're talking about this, I have an image going through my mind. And I go back to maybe 10 years ago, I was told of a story of, you know, the little shipping containers, the 40-foot shipping containers that, you know, when they're empty, that in foreign countries, like in the Middle East, in some very, like Bangladesh, really impoverished places, they were setting up these uh, shipping containers and these very poor people that had basically nothing would go and they, they had them decked out with seats. They would put on the glasses. They would enter into a virtual reality in a beautiful home and they would experience what it's like to have these things. I was, I heard this about 10 years ago and what I'm, what I'm, what I was thinking is here we're going to have people in this world entering into their homes and shutting the door, entering into a hotel room, shutting the door, going to the secret place, shutting the door and entering into virtual reality. Now, Jesus told us to enter into our closet, shut the door, and pray. And I do believe that the potential, when we pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ, to be transported into the presence of God, or that we invite God's presence where we could be filled with the glory of God, the goodness of God, and this is Satan's great counterfeit to have people locked away into deception and lies, um, my God, what a what a diversity, a contradiction. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> praying time, definitely. I mean, uh, um, I'm uh, I'm praying that you know people's eyes will be open. I'm praying that pastors will not buy into this, that uh, that they will shun. As the scripture says, shun all appearance of evil. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and, and and that their discernment will be heightened, and and uh, don't be taken in by but you have, this gentleman yeah. and 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 this uh, metaverse stuff. You know, Pastor Jeff, we as you have said, oftentimes we have large portions of the general population of Christians, those who profess to know Jesus Christ 
that have already capitulated to things like abortion or homosexuality or some other, you know, idea that is not genuine, that is not true, and they've led millions into that direction, well, it's not so far-fetched to, you know, start telling your people, hey, I'm going to be doing a virtual, virtual reality sermon uh, in about two hours. Join me all over the world, and people start coming into that service, and then what are you going to tell them? What are you going to preach to them? What are you going to put in their mind? What are you going to plant in them? What stronghold are you going to build into people's minds? Uh, the very best, the prophet Jeremiah said, were as briars in the day of their calamity. And I just uh, really, this is, this is powerful information. Your, your thoughts? Yeah, it is. I, I, I mean, I, I, I just think of the scriptures, for the, uh, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And I was just thinking, as uh, Brother Bill was saying, you know, how is this going to affect everything? I mean, from the perspective, you know, you got churches like Joel Osteen and others that have thousands of people, man, hundreds of thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but 10,000, 15,000 people at, at their church. And now they're not really going to be there per se. And I mean, will that replace, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, what was it? The planet of the apes or some of these uh, sci-fi things that, or, or Frankenstein or whatever, where where the monster eventually wants to kill the creator. So my point is, from uh, on a smaller scale, so now will there not only be not a need for a pastor? Will a pastor be an avatar or something? I mean, it's just it, it's. But people yeah. probably don't even think about that. The you know the cre well the creators of the evil do, but the people who are buying into it, you know, uh, what what happens what happens to the realness? In other words, if one of your members, pastor, says, uh, uh, can I get a, a, a counseling session with you? Or my wife and I, guys, my wife and I need to come in for counseling. But now, in this virtual world, how does that work? I mean, it just, it, it just opens up a whole new spectrum of where are we going? You know, yeah. I, I, I don't like it. No, and the scriptures talk about Satan and his ministers transforming themselves into ministers of righteousness. And they come as angels of light. So you talk about avatar pastors behind pulpits telling people what they want to hear. Uh, I remember years ago, and uh, some of our military friends out there and some folks that are very studied will remember this. Maybe you will as well. Uh, there was an operation, and I don't know if it was called Operation Mockingbird, Operation Paperclip. I don't know uh, which one it was. There were several of them, but it was a CIA operation where they were taking uh, men and women and they were giving them LSD and they wanted to see how the drug LSD would affect their sexual conduct. And they, they, this was all experimentation. And it seems like in the sickness of the mind of Satan, everything gets down to the sexual nature of things. And so if LSD was a drug that... Uh, kind of opened up some activities. Uh, what about this AI intelligence? Someone just said, and it was Denny, that the addiction level will increase beyond any known drug. So if LSD stimulated and heightened the sexual uh, nature, stuff could become so wicked and so evil in our society, and we're living in the midst of this? I mean, that could be a very devastating time, Pastor Jeff. What are you going to tell your people? Yeah. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know, Pastor. I, I, other than the fact that when I saw this one pastor talking and he he was doing the uh, the YouTube video, you know, I, I think it was a Tuesday afternoon, you know, Tuesday noon. He does does a Tuesday teaching or whatever and everything, and he was pretty much rah rah, you know, buying into this, telling his people, you know, even kind of put a put a twist on it, you know. Uh, 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 2022 is going to be the year to be greater and beyond, you know, now. So, so, so your $22 seed, you know, and buy, you know, buying into this, I mean, you know, what can you tell them? I mean, my thing is he's going to be held accountable for, for, uh, and others who lead their, their sheep astray and stuff. So the only thing I can say is that, that, those those of us who we're not super righteous over anybody, so I don't want anybody to think Pastor Jeff thinks he's all that. That's not my point. My point right. is the righteous remnant, man, we got to stand, you know, and I've shared with our congregation, you know, whether it's about the jab and all that stuff, I said, we're in a season where we got to make some decisions. You know, are we with God or against him? You know, either you're, you, either you're in or you're out. You know, either you're hot or you're cold. You can't be lukewarm. You can't be... Uh, 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 a wishy-washy, you know, I'm standing for God. And I got to trust that he's going he's gonna to protect me, he's going to keep me, he's going to speak to me, he's going to direct me, he's going to be spirit-led. And, 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 I, and I shared with him, I said, for years we've said this. Yeah, I believe. Well, now there's a rubber meets the road. With all the stuff that's going on, <laughs> you know, the separation from the sheep, sheep and the goats. So... You're so right on. That is so right on. My God. I just wanted to interject something here in my notes. <laughs> People think all of this stuff is, well, man, it's just a coincidence that this happens, Pastor Jeff. I, uh, I beg to differ. I think all of these Satanists and everybody, they know exactly what they're doing. Matter of fact, I did not know this. 1976, the first Apple computer went on sale, Right. Do you know how yeah. much it costs? Just give me a guess. What do you think it costs? The first Apple computer. Six hundred sixty-six dollars and sixty-six cents. Wow. Crazy. It says, despite that, um, so, uh, I guess the guy who who Steve Wozniak in, insists that it was just a fluke. No, <laughs> this is intentional. If I can share my 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 last one. Yeah, of course. Uh, which ties with this. This is not people think, you know, all you know, the period we're in with the vaccines and I just recently read Pastor that they're, they're trying to approve where where for the fourth injection, you know. Um this just came out. I just got this off the press, so to speak. It says Bill Gates warns that terrorists terrorists, excuse me, will try and use smallpox as a biological weapon, as he bids for billions in funding to prevent future pandemics. Now, before I say that again, uh, I didn't know that Mr. Gates was a pro- was 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 operating in the prophetic or something. But, and I say that not being funny, but uh, to, we we do remember that event simulation. That happened in twenty nine that they had in twenty nineteen in New York about if there was a pandemic 
and then we know what happened three months later. So now at the COP26 climate conference this week in Glasgow, Mr. Gates gets up and he warns that terrorists will try and use smallpox as a biological weapon. So he's trying to get he, – he goes and he's calling for the – I'm reading it. He's calling for – he called, rather, for the formation of a, quote, pandemic task force with billions to be given in funding. Also, check this out. He suggested developing germ gains. That's G-E-R-M, germ gains, to prepare for future pandemics. He said it'll take probably about a billion dollars a year, pandemic task force, at the, at the WHO level, the World Health Organization level, which is doing the surveillance and actually doing what I call germ games, Gates says, where you practice. Gates suggested that the germ games could include preparing for acts of bioterrorism such as smallpox attacks on airports, likening them to war games used by militaries to train for conflicts over the world. Gates said, you say, okay, what if a bioterrorist brought, brought smallpox to 10 airports? You know, how would the world respond to that? Gates said, there's naturally caused epidemics and bioterrorism caused epidemics that could even be way worse than what we experience today. Despite the dire warning, the world's fourth richest man also struck an optimistic note during the interview anticipating the incredibly beneficial medical innovations that will come from increased funding for pandemic prevention. He said, the nice thing is a lot of the research and development we need to do to be ready for the next, for the next pandemic. Again, he's not prophetic. How do you know that? Well, but anyway, he said for the next pandemic are things like making vaccines cheap, having big factories, eradicating the flu, getting rid of the common cold, making vaccines just a little patch that you will be able to put on your arm, things that will be incredibly beneficial even in the years when we don't have the pandemic. Yep. That's so it's right out in, yeah, it's right out in the open. My God. A uh, number of people are so just, the next you know, thing, Yeah. So the next thing, Pastor, could be the smallpox. And I was talking to my wife, Dee, and we were, I read this to her earlier this morning. We were having breakfast and just talking. And she said, you know, Jeff, back in the day, and, you know, we are old enough to remember that in our six people in their 50s and 60s or whatever. Remember, you used to have to get all those shots. You know, we got the mumps and the measles and everything, and you got this shot, rubella, or whatever. And she said, uh, you, know, we, you know, you get a shot for smallpox. So she said in her spirit, she was saying, you know, now people are saying that we don't want to take the vaccine now, you know, and everything, and – their kickback is, but didn't you take such and such a shot back in the day? And, of course, you know, we still say, well, that doesn't mean I want to take it now. So she's saying, well, if they bring that, then they want to argue that you already took it and, and, and try to prove that it was safe or whatever, but that's to still get people to continually get vaccinated. This is just the next, in her opinion, which I agree, the next cause or the next piece in their puzzle. 
Yeah, no and doubt about it. They're yeah. telling us. I mean, it's out there. But people overlook that and say, ah, you know, whatever. I think we should be, be cautious and pray. Yeah, you know, this is uh, so important because this has been, we've been speaking about this for a while, the necessity of keeping an eternal perspective. All the things that are being talked about today on this broadcast are all very temporary, especially to the human being that's going to participate in those things, uh, which will draw them away into an eternal separation from God of torment, not having those things, uh, being totally stripped away. Only God knows what, you know, the future is in, in the area of eternal separation from God. So for men and women of faith today, Pastor Jeff, it is imperative that we stand, and having done all to stand, stand, therefore, in the full armor of God, the activated, anointed armor of God, the anointed mind of Christ, the anointed righteousness of Christ, the anointed truth of Christ, the anointed peace of Christ, the anointed faith of Christ, the anointed word of God. Because if it's not anointed, it's not activated. It's simply lying dormant. So the activation of anointing into all these areas that Yeshua told us to prepare for and guard ourselves under this is something important. I would recommend people every day putting on the full armor of God purposefully, just like they do their clothes every day before they walk out the house. I would encourage people every day to start taking communion, uh, whether it's a husband and wife or if you're single, doing it on your own. Just every day, at some point of the day, spending time taking communion. I would be praying in the prayer closet, what direction do we go in? Lord God, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Experience the presence of God, and it carries no guilt, shame, and condemnation, and it's more high than anything the world can give us in the sensualization of our brain or our physical body. The spiritual high is the most high, and that's a reality. And for anybody that's ever tasted the presence of God, they know that this other stuff is nothing but junk and makes you look like a, a fool, quite frankly. You know, if you're having sexual issues and you're stuck in pornography, by the way, and you need help, you know, you need to reach out and look for help so that you're not drowned in perdition with pornography. And this is a very sincere uh, appeal to anybody that's out there listening that you're bound up in pornography. I can tell you scientifically it is destroying your brain. Your brain is actually being destroyed by pornography. It was also a, 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 a tool to take down nations. And so the enemy of nations would constantly be using pornography as a tool to break down the societal strength. And this is just factual things. And if you're stuck in pornography... You want to make sure you get delivered because that's going to drag you into eternal separation. And if you don't get delivered and these other things come and you get involved in them, man, it's eternal loss. It's not that you're going to die and sleep forever and you don't exist anymore. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches, and I'm not saying just pornography, but it is a very huge issue that the devil's going to use to drag men and women into eternal separation from God. So uh, it's putting on the armor of God. It's staying in prayer. It's taking communion. Continue in the fellowship of the saints. Some people really can't come into fellowship because their private life behind the scenes uh, will not afford them, especially if the environment of the saints is a bit holy. 
if there are people that are genuinely working out their salvation with fear and trembling, not being holier than thou or self-righteous, but if there's an element of a desire to draw the presence of God by lifestyle and conduct and through faith, a lot of people that are, you know, walking in the churches today would not be able to visit those environments. Usually you could walk into a church environment, watching pornography, committing fornication, and not even be convicted by it, no compunction, because there's no spirit of God there to do that. And this is where it gets really, really, really scary. And right now, Christians around the world, man, this isn't about denominations. This is not about what church you belong to. This is about your eternal soul. Every single individual is going to stand before God one way or the other. And this is the admonition, man, knowing what's coming, this mark of the beast, this image of the beast, this demonic that is about to be released into the atmosphere, how will we stand? If we have been wearied by the footmen, Pastor Jeff, what will we do when the chariots come? Your final thoughts before we get rolling today. Well, my final thoughts, again, thank you for allowing me to be on, and and this is so uh, informative, even, you know, basically, even though I gave information, I was blessed by your comments and and Brother Bill and and everything like that. God spoke to me to me through you and 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 this situation but what I my my final words are I took notes from what you were just saying man you just gave a mini sermonette right there you know I think what we all should take from it, it was similarly to what I took from it is we have daily duties and there are some daily duties that I'm going to give you re, re reiterate what you said what I wrote briefly which I believe that we as Christians we have an assignment and our assignment is to share Jesus Christ uh, and to win people to Christ, soul winners, and uh, so that we're concerned about the souls and the lives of people, not just here, but for eternity. Where will they spend eternity? Uh, the Bible says, when you were, when you were talking, uh, I heard the scripture, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And I believe those of us who know Jesus Christ have a relationship with the Lord, and who who are somewhat learned in the in the Word and the things of God, and that we can rightly divide the Word of Truth. I believe it is incumbent upon us, part of our assignment, to share the Word of God, so that none would perish. In the Book of Judges, it talks about after Joshua's death, there was a generation that did not know God. So I think that's kind of where we are now. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus Christ. So we have to be concerned about those and stuff, you know, and we need to tell them and share with them about Jesus Christ. But to do that, we need to be armed up. Not, I mean, I'm not talking about natural arm. I'm talking about spiritually armed. And the spiritual armament that you discuss, which is our daily duty, is that when we first get up, after our feet hit the floor, and we thank God for allowing us to be able to wake up, is that we need to uh, uh, basically put on the whole armor or put on the full or whole armor of God, standing there, whether we're looking in the mirror or not, you know, putting on the uh, breastplate of righteousness. And all of this armament, for time constraints, I won't go through them all, the the feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace, sword of the spirit and so forth. But that's in Ephesians chapter 6. So we should do that every day. Also, number two, sometime during the day, whether it's in the morning or before you go to bed at night, do communion, whether you're by yourself or if it's a husband and wife or a family. 
take communion daily. Also, get into your prayer closet, you know, in the secret place, of which is our prayer closet. You say, well, what is a prayer closet? Maybe you haven't heard that term. Somewhere in your home, in your home where you can get alone with God. Go in, close the door. Why do you close the door? Because if you close the door, you're shut in, and nobody, you can't get out, and no one can get in because this is a long time, the Father. And lastly, we need to be into Bible reading and Bible study. I tell our congregation, if whether, if whether you're old school and you want to get a pen and pad or you want to get a recorder on your phone or however, but when I'm trying to hear from God, I have something, some, some form of where I can write down what I hear the Holy Spirit say to me. So put on the whole armor, take communion, get into your, uh, uh, your secret place or your prayer closet with God and, and, and read the Bible and study the word because you need to be equipped to be able to share. If there's nothing in me, I can't pour anything out of me. But God, when I study the word and it gets in me, God doesn't want me to keep it. He wants me to pour out. And once I pour out, he can pour more in me so I can continue to uh, reciprocate and, and, and to continue to do that process over and over again so that none would perish and that all would come unto the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jeff, those are instructions. That is Torah. That's the word of God. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes people, before they go to bed, they prepare their coffee pot so that the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is grab their cup of coffee. Maybe we need to shift a little bit and have a little bread and a little wine next to the, the wake-up table. And the first thing we do in the morning is have our communion, then move forward, then get dressed, then have that time of prayer or however someone does it. So these are the five things I just heard you say. Communion. Prayer. Armor up, Bible study, fellowship, and until God tells you to enter into the ark and he shuts the door, go fully equipped to win souls, to preach the gospel, and that is the call of every one of us in Jesus' name. Well said. Amen. Well well said. Well, brother, I think you knocked it out of the park today. That was awesome. Amen. One last thing for those who may be worried, um, uh, concerned. I don't know if a lot of a lot of people may have already heard it. You know, uh, with this whole thing with with the president talking about everybody had to be vaccinated and 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 they would be, you know, if not, companies would be you know possibly terminating you or not possibly they say you would. And I know, um, uh, I think it was initially by. Uh, the day before Thanksgiving or sometime here in November that has, I don't know if you knew this, but that had, as of yesterday, that has been pushed back to January 4th. I don't know. Did you know that? Well, I I heard last night, uh, again, Rick Wiles, True News, and they brought up a very good point. If this was the bubonic plague, would they wait several months? Why are they waiting until after Christmas, the holidays, you know, to do this? if it's such a serious pandemic, but now they're going to wait until after January and then they're going to commence. So it's a bunch of hoopla. And I did hear that. And I think there are 41 million people that are in the crosshairs from OSHA that could potentially lose everything. And yes, I did hear they're going to spread it out to, uh, it's crazy. I mean, if it's such a pandemic, 
you would want to shut everything down and get everybody vaccinated right now. But they're going to wait till Absolutely. after the holidays. Isn't that weird? And, and the only reason I mention that again is to, um, I mean, I agree with you, is is because I know D and I have 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 count, you know, ministered to some people in it and and encouraged them that we know here, you know, trust in the Lord. You know, lean not into your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he should direct thy path. And, and in other words of encouragement and comfort that the Lord has given us to to give them, because just, you know, we're, we're you know, we're real. You know, I mean, you know, we're, we're you know, we're saved, but we're still humans and people, you know, we have emotions and stuff like that. People do. So, you know, we've had people say, hey, man, we're coming up into the holidays, and I just don't know what I'm going to do, you know. And we've ministered to them to trust in the Lord. So, I didn't know as many people may who may be listening and say, well, yeah, you know, I didn't know that. So, you know, still trust the Lord, but don't stress. Don't, you know, even uh, even even on on January 4th, God is in control, and that's what I believe. Amen. Amen. He is in control, and trusting the Lord is everything. And, you know, the final question is, is there a way out of this whole mess? Yes. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, the truth. and I am the life. If you follow you will find your way through and out of all these things that are coming on the earth. And you could do it with confidence and with trust and with boldness. And these three remain faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. We're going to keep on working it out, Pastor Jeff. And uh, you stay the course, my dear friend. You stay the course, you indeed. God bless you. And we'll, we'll do the same by the power of the Holy Spirit. And to everyone listening today, you stay the course as well. If you out of the way, remember, Jesus does allow U-turns, and he, this is a day where maybe he's, he's guiding you back so that you don't keep going in the wrong direction. Get back on track today. All right? Pastor Jeff, thank you Last for Last thing I would say, Pastor, if I could, keep yes, looking sir. unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I, and I, this is, I have to constantly tell our what a congregation, and while I say that, I mean, not everybody, but some people, I, 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 I remind them like a... <laughs> Like a dad reminds his kids, watch, you know, like young kids, yeah. watch both ways before you cross the street. So I remind them, you got to cut off that that mainstream media and even sometimes people who bring, who who are carriers of bad news because it, it 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 takes it takes your eyes and your focus off of what does God say, you know, Amen. what does the Word say? I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor see begging bread. You know, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches glory by Christ Jesus. So I'm always trying to get them to focus. But, but then they say, but that doesn't change anything. But, yes, it does. I, it's hard for me to quote those scriptures and, and, and talk about how bad things are. I, I can't say that out of my mouth at the same time. I'm only going to say one or the other. So I tell them to stay focused on the Lord, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay. Amen. We're going to leave it right there. I've got to go. God bless you. And we'll talk to you soon. And everybody out there, Pastor Jeff, genuinely, thanks for joining me on the air. Shalom to you, sir. All right, so we got to go right now. We'll see you on Tuesday, Lord willing. You could also join into one of our conversations Saturday, 530, Facebook and YouTube, Sunday, 2 p.m., Facebook and YouTube. Until we meet again, shalom. Stay the course. God bless. Okay, we better get rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.